Hi, I'm Mark Lynch, director of the Project on Middle East Political Science. Welcome back to the POMAPS podcast, our series of conversations with leading scholars in the field. With us today is Adria Lawrence. She's an associate professor at Yale University, and she recently wrote an article for the Monkey Cage about the uh, the elections in Morocco. Uh, Adria, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, you wrote the article for the Monkey Cage before the election happened, and now we've seen the results. Can you tell us a little bit about what you saw in the election, which did or didn't surprise you? Um, yeah, I guess that, you know, this is one of those lucky circumstances in which the outcome isn't really that surprising, um, though I think very few people expected a big surprise in these elections anyway. Um, the PJD took... Um, That's the Islamist party. That's right. The Moderate Islamist Party, the um, Party of Justice and Development, our PJD, took um, more seats than the second, its rival, the um, Party of Authenticity and Modernity. Um, Not too far off. I think, you know, they were about 20 seats apart. And then the Istiklal Party, which is a a traditional party um, that's been a political party since independence, um, came in third with at least half the seats of the, the first two contenders. So it was basically what was expected from the um, elections at the get-go. Um, some people thought that the more monarchy-aligned um, party of authenticity and modernity would do better or capture more seats. But I think that it was probably quite expected for the PJD to continue its prior mandate for the last five years um, with a majority of seats in the parliament. Now, they, they've been ruling uh, for, for several years now, the PJD has, and that's actually somewhat unusual for an Islamist party to be, uh, to be heading up a government. Um, what have they done in government that did or didn't impress voters? So I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of debate over the Islamist orientation of the PJD. I think I described them as having an Islamist orientation instead of saying an Islamist party in part because I think there's big differences between the PJD and other groups like the Muslim Brotherhood elsewhere um, in terms of its sort of Islamist goals. So in Morocco, like in Turkey and elsewhere, I think secularists were worried about what a party with an Islamist orientation would do, but it hasn't pushed forward that much of an Islamist agenda in terms of restructuring the law or trying to alter um, the kinds of, of, you know, lifestyle things like the availability of alcohol, that that hasn't changed that much, and it's not a huge part of their agenda. Um, indeed, I can remember when I was there and before the last elections, when they first came to power, that a lot of people seem to be saying that it wasn't so much having an Islamist political platform that impressed them, but they thought that an Islamist-oriented party would be less corrupt than another party that wasn't so ostensibly religious. So it was more that they saw Ben Kiran and the leaders of the party as good people, as not corrupt politicians, um, because they espouse Islamist principles and not because they favored any sort of a, an agenda. Um, so, you know, again, what have they accomplished? I think that, you know, they haven't managed to make steps forward on some of their major platforms like corruption. They've had um, some pretty serious problems to face. There's been drought in Morocco. There's still an unemployment crisis in Morocco. So um, they've had a lot of obstacles. I think that they've done, you know, what they can do within the Moroccan parliament in terms of trying to um, 
make some budgetary reforms. But I would say that, you know, not a huge amount was accomplished over the last five years. Now, one of the points that you make is that the uh, that so much power continues to rest in the hands of the monarchy that, in a sense, it limits the ability of any parliamentary government to, to make much of a difference. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, I think that I've thought that for a while, but I think I'm starting to think that even I might have underestimated that because one of the big puzzles to me after the Arab Spring was why the PJD didn't ally with the forces that were on the street more strongly in order to make the changes to the Constitution that occurred in 2011 um, go a little further in terms of empowering the parliament. So I, I wondered, you know, why is it that the PJD didn't use this pressure from the street to gain more than it did gain? And I think, you know, I may have thought of them in a more, maybe coming from an American point of view, as more of an opposition party than they really are, um, and as wanting more change than perhaps they really do. And I've since come to see the PJD as having kind of, you know, the aura of opposition, but not really being that different from the other parties in terms of its dependence on the monarchy and its need to, to continue to sort of please the monarchy and push forward policies that are consistent with the monarchy's um, preferred policies as well. Now, the PJD is, is also face, looking out at uh, other competing Islamist parties. Have they been able to take advantage of the PJD's apparent uh, comfort with the monarchy? Well, the other main Islamist party is um, the banned group that was run by... Um, Abdul Salam Yassin, and um, that group, I don't know, I, I think that my sense is that they're somewhat in a state of crisis right now, um, and a lot of people talk about their popularity and their popularity vastly exceeding the popularity of the PJD, but it's unfortunately not very measurable, since you can't conduct polls, public opinion to polls, and even if you could, people probably wouldn't express their support for that, um, but I think they do build off of this idea that you know, they're willing to criticize the monarchy, and that both limits the number of people who are willing to um, support support these alternative groups, and it also um, maybe improves their chances of appearing like a genuine opposition. Why do you think it is that the PJD seems to have managed to avoid the kind of social polarization and political polarization that groups like the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt or the um, uh, Nahda Party in Tunis um, faced? Uh, it seems like they've been able to navigate that with fewer problems. Yeah, I think one of the things the PJD has accomplished is really building a popular base and being able to mobilize its voters. Um, and I think maybe the reason it's not so polarizing is perhaps because um, it's maybe not as threatening to the status quo in terms of its overall agenda. Well, I mean, its overall agenda, which is actually very similar to the agenda of the rival and more royalist-affiliated party, the, the Party of Authenticity and Modernity, is to tr try to improve the economy, to create more jobs, to strengthen the private sector. It's not an agenda that is particularly polarizing. I think it's something that most Moroccans will agree on. Um, and that's why, you know, all of the parties are somewhat saying they're going to do similar things. Um, and so I think there's less worries about what kinds of policies it might implement. Um, I think that in with the um, oversight of the palace, it's pretty clear to everybody that Morocco really wants to preserve its status as a stable country in the region, 
a top destination for tourists from Europe, um, and it doesn't want to implement any policies that would threaten that. And I think there's a lot of agreement about those goals. Now, so the party just hasn't put forward any, you know, a lot of super controversial items that I think could cause that kind of polarization. Now, when you look at those who maybe aren't so happy with that status quo, uh, you've written quite a bit in the past about uh, the February 20th movement and other kinds of of popular movements. Um, where do they fit into this uh, kind of status quo oriented um, uh, formal politics that you've just been describing? Yeah, well, I've tried to keep up with um, the members of the February 20th over the past five years, and as well as their supporters and others who are more critical of the whole party system itself. And um, it's been a really tough five years for those who um, took to the street in 2011. Um, since the protests ended and kind of went out of the, the public eye, or they didn't end, but since they quieted down and there were fewer participants, they've um, experienced a bout of, a bout of um, repressive actions that have come forth from the regime. So um, there's a lot of members of the February 20th movement or members of the independent journalists um, who have sort of gotten taken up on these harassment charges. So, for example, um, one of the women who founded um, this group called Mali, which defends the rights of women as well as the rights of homosexuals, you know, was arrested on charges of public drunkenness um, and on charges of having um, defied a police officer. So they use kind of little, you know, drunken disorderly or disorderly or resisting arrest to justify arresting people. But I think the message is that they want to make it difficult for opponents to be in the street and to be putting out that message. Um, now, in terms of the elections, I think they had a they had a hard choice to make. A lot of the um, former activists chose to follow a boycott um, that's been issued by some of these these kinds of groups and not to vote. And it would appear that turnout was worse in this election than it was in 2011. Uh, it's still less than half of the voters. Um, whether that's due to a boycott or just due to a general sense that the elections um, don't matter that much to the lives of many Moroccans, it's very hard to say. Um, others are putting their faith in a leftist organization or leftist parties that have united in the, the federation of the left in parliament. Um, but I think many people are not participating right now and kind of waiting for a more propitious moment to try to um, begin pushing for democracy. But I think for a lot of people, they don't think that moment is right now in 2016. So what what are they doing then? Are there places where they're trying to keep the, the spirit of, of mobilization alive? Are, are they active in other kind of non-political areas? Or are people pretty much just going to ground and waiting? Well, I think they're remaining active, especially on social media, um, especially using you know, Facebook or Twitter to try to show us um, the human rights abuses. But I would say rather than saying we're pushing for a general change, the issues tend to be more specific to an incident that happened. Um, for example, the one of the journalists who was a journalist who was arrested and has been brought up on charges. Um, there's a lot of protesting of those specific incidences and trying to hold the regime accountable um, for particular harassment of human rights organizations or pro-democracy activists or February 20th movement people. And so they're trying to raise awareness about those issues, I think, as a part of a general effort to say, you know, we're not in a democracy yet. 
we need to keep keeping track of this um, and then trying to convince people that that more change has to come. Um, and so I, I do think that they're staying active in that way, but that it's it's not a good environment anymore to have the kinds of mass street protests that we saw in, in 2011. When you look at the Moroccan political scene right now, is there anything that you see that would be really noticeably out of place in pre-2011 Morocco? I mean, how much has really changed? I don't think much has changed at all. The only thing that's an open question for me and about which I know very little is the question of um, support for much more radical groups that are outside of Morocco. Um, so we see some reports that there is increasing support um, that there's a, there are some people who have been recruited by ISIS, for example. As far as I can tell, compared to neighboring Tunisia, those numbers are very small. And the monarchy has been very successful at preventing attacks or cooperating with the United States on anti-terrorism measures. So it's hard to say how much support there is um, for those things. I do worry about it because I think that if opposition isn't lively and if um, the political situation is more stagnant, then I wonder whether that contributes to the temptation to go and fight for causes elsewhere. Um, but again, it, it's very hard to say. But I think as far as politics um, in, in, the, in Morocco overall in general, it's pretty much politics as usual pre-2011 and post. And so the, uh, the constitutional reforms, which got so much attention, haven't really amounted to all that much? No, I think the constitutional reforms were incredibly successful as a, a public relations act by the monarchy, because I think it helped in um, certainly for U.S. politics or other allies of Morocco to say, look, you know, the king's doing something. He's working towards more transparent, more accountable system. He's allowing some power to go to the parliament. But I really think it was the appearance of change rather than actual change. And so now with uh, the PJD uh, beginning to, uh, looking to form a new government, you think we should expect more of the same then? I do. I mean, my you know, it's hard to make a prediction in any case, but I think that the next steps will be for the PJD to try to form a stable coalition government, which may be quite difficult. Um, the PAM has said it will remain in the opposition, so it'll again have to bring together um, a number of different smaller parties and then try to push forward an agenda. I think what will matter the most for the success of their agenda or for their ability to appear like they're they're improving things in Morocco, maybe factors that are totally outside of the parliament's control, um, you know, the economic situation, the wider economic situation in Morocco or changes in the um, international arena that could affect prices. Those kinds of things may matter a lot um, for whether or not things improve in Morocco. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Adria Lawrence of Yale University. Uh, thank you for joining us on the POMEPS podcast. Thanks very much for having me.